eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right along with Laura Reynolds as she talks to the auto designers, creators, and makers about the automobiles we love as we go driving in heels. It's Driving in Heels. I'm Laura Reynolds, your host. And on this week's podcast, I talk directly to General Motors Senior Manager of Sustainable Energy and Vice Chair of the Renewable Energy Buyers Alliance, Rob Threlkeld. He says GM and partner Shell offer renewable energy charging hours for EVs. Then I speak with Ford Archives and Heritage Brand Manager, Ted Ryan, as he talks about how Maverick's starting price compares to the original Ford Model T price. I think you'll be surprised. So let's get started with General Motors Senior Manager of Sustainable Energy and Vice Chair of Renewable Energy Buyers Alliance, Rob Threlkeld. Well, this is a huge announcement for GM. I mean, it sounds like you guys are just leaps and bounds ahead of your goals for being emissions-free. So can you tell us about the partnership you have going on with Shell right now? Yeah, so we've uh, joined with Shell, and I, you know, I think it's a great relationship that we've had over many, many, many you know, decades, if you think about you know, Shell and General Motors and the, the products that we produce and, and support each other on. But it just, it's continuing the vision that I think most, both companies have going forward as well. You know, General Motors is focused on zero emissions, being carbon neutral by 2040. You know, Shell, very similar you know, goals as we think about the future and, and addressing climate change. And so you really put two companies that are taking their strengths of what they do, Shell being kind of an energy company, and it, they have a wholesale energy marketing arm, and GM being the producer of all of these great EVs are going to be coming forward to the market. You know, it's a matter of how do we then take these two strengths in ways that drive towards our goals and sustainability. And that's really where, you know, we got together and discussed and, and looked at an opportunity to scale in a, in, a, in a large scale pilot. It's always one thing to say, hey, we want to start off small as well. Let's try the whole state of Texas and see what we can do from there and learn from it. So that's really where we started. Yeah, you took on a big state with a lot of people. So yep. tell us how you're going to implement this. Yeah, so as customers, this uh, offering went out to all Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, Cadillac customers that are that own GM vehicles, uh, and basically they can uh, go to a specific website and a link and, and allow them that they they got emailed or or can find um, to be able to sign up for potentially you know low cost renewable electricity, and then if they happen to be an EV uh, buyer, as we roll that out here in the real distant future this month, actually is, uh, you know, overnight charging free for our you know electric vehicle buyers. And so I think it's, it's a key enabler for us to think about how the grid of the future really is going to operate, you know, as generally when, you know, wind is overnight. So it's matching, you know, the overnight hours of wind, which is generally plethora with, you know, what the customers might want to do. And, and it's no real different than how you drive today. Cause I guarantee you, as you go down the road and you see gas is two cents a gallon cheaper at one gas station, when you're on your way home, you're going to fill up at that gas station. 
So it's really enabling the lowest cost effective way for customers to kind of get used to, you know, their transitioning over to electric vehicles. So walk us through it. If I'm getting ready to purchase um, an EV vehicle, you know, what do I need to do? Of course, it's a GM. So, um, So what am I going to do to take advantage of this? Yeah, as a homeowner, you'll receive a link to click on that takes you to the, the MP2, which is the subsidiary of Shell, their wholesale retail electricity provider in Texas, uh, to be able to sign up for the program. And then uh, they'll ultimately, it's, you know, that's one thing nice about Texas in large scale, you have the ability to kind of shop around in relative ease. And this link takes you directly to the provider that can get you both low cost renewables. And then, you know, as a new EV buyer, you can then sign up and, and get the free overnight charging as well. So are there any additional charges other than the electricity itself? No, it's what MP2, you know, charges to the program. And I think that's also where scale kind of comes into play as well. I mean, you think about General Motors and the number of customers we have, you know, that's leveraging our scale on that side with, you know, Shell's scale of wholesale electricity through their retail energy provider to provide, you know, very competitive rates and looking at it as we drive towards our efforts in sustainability with renewable energy as well. And then as an EV buyer, you get the added benefit of transitioning and getting that electricity free in the overnight hours. Which is awesome because that's when we all like to plug our cars in. You don't want yep. to take away the electricity during the day when it's a little bit higher. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's part of the education process. You know, if, you know, you kind of think about, you just said it nicely there. I mean, at overnight hours, it's cheaper. I mean, most homeowners probably don't even realize that, you know, if you actually overcool your home in the morning and don't run the air conditioner during some of the peak times of day, you actually lower your cost even that way. I mean, so it's really getting that mind shift to think about ways that you can control your costs no different than if you were driving down the road and saw gas cheaper and you went back to it. So I know we're talking about EV vehicles, but is it any type of EV vehicle from GM? I mean, it's not, I'm having to wait for any special uh, thing to be added. I mean, I can do it right away, whether it's a 2021, a 2020 vehicle with GM, I can yep. take care of this. Yes. If you've already bought your Chevy Bolt or you're in the process of buying a Bolt or you're looking for one in the future, you can sign up for this program. It sounds like to me, you know, 2040 really doesn't sound that far off, you know, and you guys have lofty goals of reaching, you know, free emissions. So, I mean, this is just one part of the process, right? Exactly. I mean, when you look at our broader goals, I mean, we've got a commitment to be 100% renewable electricity as a company. That's our manufacturing and non-manufacturing operations uh, in the U.S. by 2030 and globally by 2035. But if you look at our aspiration to be an all-electric, you know, vehicle manufacturer by 2035 and carbon neutral by 2040, you're right. I mean, all of these are kind of key steps in the process of getting towards our broad goal of zero, 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 zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. But the zero emissions component of that is essential in really driving all of this. And, and ultimately, the customers to thinking about, you know, how they can help support that and potentially the electric vehicle being your asset to do that. Do you see the, the toughest part of the implementation implementation of this. <laughs> See, I'm always the one that makes the mistakes when I'm talking. Um, being just a learning curve for people with electric vehicles. I think it's definitely going to be a learning curve, but I think as they get over that learning curve and realize how much easier it ultimately will be driving an electric vehicle. I mean, you don't have to get the oil changed. A lot of your fluids, you don't have to change. You don't have a transmission. You don't have all the moving parts that come with an engine and transmission. It's purely a battery with electric motors. And so, you know, I think once they understand that ease along with how they can actually control a sizable amount of their costs and potentially how that 
you know, electric vehicle become, could become an asset in the future for them and drive some value as we think about the grid as a whole. Um, I, I think you'll see that acceleration take off. I mean, we're just now seeing the massive amount of investment like GM and, and the automotive companies are making in this space and electrification. And it's coming out with that number of vehicles that I think is going to excite the, the, you know, the different you know, styles that folks have, whether it's a truck, whether it's an SUV, or whether it's a car, or whether it's a sports car, you know, it's coming out with ones that meet the needs of all those customers and entices them to and interest them. And then once you drive one, I mean, it's the acceleration is, you know, it's, it's totally different. I mean, it's so much fun. I got to tell you, um, I test drove the Bolt um, since I wanted to talk about it on the show. And it was the vehicle that changed my mind about electric vehicles. It really was because I'm seeing, I commute 70 miles a day and I'm sitting here thinking, oh no, you know, what if that's, what if I get caught in traffic or, you know, what if I, you know, just forget one night to plug it in, but you've taken all of those worries off our plates. Yep, exactly. I mean, really it's extending that range to the, the, the miles that you can get on that electric vehicle so that you can drive those 70 miles back and forth. I mean, in reality, it's no different than, you know, most customers don't realize this, but you don't fill your gas up all the way. You might be stuck in traffic with a quarter of a tank and realize, you know, I might be stuck here for hours, but the, you know, quarter of a tank takes you a long way too. And it's no different than really, as you think about, you know, the range of an EV, if it's, you know, 250, 270 miles, 300 miles, or more, I mean, and you're only driving 70 miles a day, I mean, you've got a significant amount of reserve capacity, as you could call it, that's still there to get you home. So is this something that at the dealer level, the salespeople are going to be talking to customers about, or is this something that you're going to hit through social media? Uh, this has primarily been through our marketing efforts, um, but, you know, it's something that we are definitely talking, you know, this, this offering is, we're working through with our supply chain and, you know, I think discussions with dealerships, I think it's all part of the broader, you know, GM vision as we get towards zero, 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 and it's bringing everyone along and everyone in really, as you think about our motto in that and everyone in. So, you know, the dealership, the supply chain, our own facilities, our customers are all a key component of that. And that customer could be fleet buyers too. And when you think about bright drop, and the EV van that's coming out as well. I mean, that's another exciting, you know, opportunity that, you know, you think about how many of these delivery packages are going around to homes these days, especially after COVID and transitioning all those fleets to EVs too. It's just, it's exciting to see. And there's a real opportunity there too, you know, as you think about the amount of vans that are ultimately out on the road. I'm so glad that you brought up vans because um, with the programs that you have available, it's going to make a fleet manager's job more easy to do. Yep. And we just came out with a Charge 360 initiative last week, too, you know, primarily geared towards our fleet buyers of, of, of the delivery vans itself. And so it's really enabling, you know, the services to our fleet buyers and to the, you know, whether it's Bright Drop or other GM electric vehicles in ways that enable them to, you know, access the different technologies that are on the van itself, as well as how they potentially could charge that, you know, delivery van and optimize around how they look at their delivery routes in the end. Now, is there any infrastructure that you had to change um, to get this program implemented? No, nope, we didn't have to really change any infrastructure. We just had to ultimately, you know, work with our key partner show on this case uh, and, you know, to leverage our scale and come up with ways and make cost competitiveness, leveraging that scale. It's like going to the wholesale marketer um, and saying, how can we do this better, smarter and cheaper, you know, for customers and, and grow both our base of, you know, ultimately EV buyers. But, you know, in the case of Shell, they're really looking at, you know, through their wholesale subsidiary MP2, growing their EV customer base, you know, not EV, but their electric customer base. And so it's bringing both of those together that two large companies can really do. 
Well, I have a feeling, Rob, you haven't been sleeping a lot, that you've been working <laughs> on this a lot. <laughs> well, I always kind of say, you know, my day job is keeping our manufacturing sites operating. And then my night job is really getting into some of those really cool initiatives that we can do as a company. But in reality, it's, it's all kind of integrated together. And we've got great leadership that really support, you know, these efforts and endeavors, you know, as we go down the path to our all electric future. I'm going to put money down that this is just the tip of the iceberg that you you guys are working with Shell on. Yep. A lot more exciting <laughs> things to come in this very interesting space that we are moving down the path to. Well, that's okay. You can tell us. We won't tell anyone. <laughs> more announcements to come. But you'll be, be happy to jump back on as those come out and as we look at some great things going forward in the future. But I can tell you it's it's exciting time as as we look at it as an industry and it's exciting to see where we can really go as a company, you know, as we go down the path to being an all electric, you know, provider of a plethora of different vehicles. So what made you guys choose Shell? Did they already have a lot of the infrastructure ready and you could just merge those things together? Well, I was really looking at, you know, who is a large wholesale marketer of, you know, of electricity and Shell actually was already providing through MP2 power to our Arlington, Texas site. Uh, and we just had gotten that we competitively bid and we just got into those discussions with them to say, how can we take what we did here at Arlington and for our Texas operations for GM and do this at a different way that leverages the customer base that we have as General Motors and ultimately allowing you to grow as a company, your electric base of customers. And then, hey, we've got electric vehicles that are coming down the road. We really like to see a way that we can, you know, get the consumer to transition to an EV. What benefit can they get? So it was really through that kind of relationship and transition and discussions, you know, and, and ultimately similar goals around what we're trying to do for in the area of sustainability and decarbonization. And it said, hey, this makes sense. We can do this and we can do this competitively and actually become more competitive as we look at, you know, the offering that we can give to our customers. And so, you know, that's where I think two companies can really move the needle in ways that, uh, that as one, we can do a lot is separate. We would not have been able to do this. Um, I think one of the best ways to lure people over to EVs is going to be showing them the cost savings. Do you have any data showing what the cost savings might be? I mean, we really don't have a, a significant amount of data, at least I have in hand, but ultimately in the end, as you think about it, transitioning from an internal combustion engine with all those moving parts to an EV um, is significant in that aspect as we go down that path. And then, you know, as you think about electricity as a whole, generally is a much more stable product. I mean, we've all seen the fluctuation of gas prices over time. And I think as we leverage you know, the, the vehicle itself potentially as an asset, as I've mentioned going forward, you know, vehicle to grid type of applications as we look at that. Um, and we leverage that with how the grid actually operates and, you know, kind of aggregate things to look at these things in a different way. There's value that can be attributed, not only just owning the vehicle, but there's value in how that battery then functions as a resource, you know, or the vehicle functions as a resource going forward. So I think you're going to see a lot of that opportunity coming, you know, as we look at, you know, the markets and as we look at our customers and as we look at what EVs can potentially bring that could benefit the customer in the long run. I don't have the full numbers or anything of that nature, but we're always studying to see how, how all of these different components can come together and how can we form partnerships like we've done with Shell and to in order to really enable the customer to receive that value because it's enabling them to control how they think about charging that electric vehicle, which in reality, your two largest resource or sources of electricity consumption in your homes, your air conditioner, and then it will be your EV. So if you can figure out ways to really manage those two applications, you've controlled a significant amount of your electricity costs 
And if you can shift some of those around, that's sizable savings to the consumer. Absolutely. And I'm thinking that, um, I don't know if you've ever looked at AAA's website where they, you know, weekly show the gas prices and which states have gone up and gone down um, with gas prices. This is something we might see in the future with electricity, um, where we can look at where it's cheaper to have a vehicle fueled as a, I use the word fuel, but I mean electricity yeah. <laughs> in another yep. state. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, one thing you've got there is it's no different than any other vehicle. It's mobile in a lot of ways. I think if we can get there, you'll have the ability to kind of see, you know, what the cost of electricity is at any given point in time, because real-time pricing is out there in the markets. And so, you know, you can charge your vehicle if you really had to charge, hey, I'm going to pay a pre premium for it, but, you know, I'm going to have to, I want to charge it right now, you know, to get the comfort so I can drive home or, hey, I can get home and I still have, you know, hundreds of miles potentially to not worry about. I'm not going to charge until prices get to X. And if that happens overnight, there you go. You got three hours of charge at, you know, two cents a kilowatt hour versus eight cents a kilowatt hour. And that's a 75% savings. Exactly. So no, it's I really, you can do so much with your smartphone now and connecting into, and, and that's, you know, ERCOT publishes prices, you know, other grid operators, retail operators, you know, MISO, PJM, they all publish prices. I mean, and that's readily available information that you can integrate in with your phone. And so you, that, you know, the intent is with smart technology, you as the customer have the ability to determine what cost you really want to pay and decide when to charge your electric vehicle or cool your home. If you've got, you know, as you're looking at, Smart meters. I mean, some states are implementing smart meters. I know I have one at my house here in Michigan and, you know, I can tell what my electricity costs and consumption are real time. No, I love it. And that was going to be my next question about how the smartphone apps can help because now you can see the prices and it's like, now's the time to plug in or now's the time not to plug in. Let's wait. Yep. And we're working with a lot of utilities even on that aspect as well. Time of use rates to really, you know, because utilities are thinking about this as well and not just, you know, in the markets like Texas. So as we think about, you know, going beyond Texas across a 50 state type of solution, you know, it may be some, you know, working with the various utilities and regulated markets to come up with different time of use rates that, you know, work towards the customer, but ultimately work towards broadening their goals as decarbonization. Because a lot of utilities are setting some very bold goals too. Um, I know the utilities in Michigan are, and you've got some significant other ones that have set some really bold goals. And in order to do that, they're really going to kind of rely on vehicle electrification and how the vehicles can act as a source to support, you know, broader, you know, components of adding additional renewables. Because now you can match your load and generation. And that's the part you're always constantly has to be in balance. Otherwise, if you're not in balance, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a feeling you guys chose the most difficult state first when since you chose Texas, since there are so many uh, power companies. And one of the websites you can go to here in Texas is powertochoose.org yep. for your electricity. So I feel like you tackled the most difficult state first. Yeah, we, we really wanted to scale. As you look at pilots, I, I've always said you've got to look at a pilot. It's a large enough scale to understand where the, you know, the pitfalls, what were the positives, so that as you think about these types of solutions from the customer level, too, you need 100. I mean, in our case, we had 500,000 customers, more or less. We rolled this out to in Texas or rolling it out to. So it's, it's getting enough numbers to understand what you need to do to in order to make the program successful. And you can pilot it to a thousand, but that doesn't necessarily give you a real life example of piloting really in an entire state across hundreds of thousands of customers to really understand 
if we have bold goals, how do we then take the information that we've done in these large scale pilots to really start to move the needle in ways that companies like Shell and GM can do? Have you gotten any feedback yet? I have not seen a ton of feedback coming back, you know, my way, except there's been a lot of, you know, I would say interest on clicking on the website. You know, all of us get various emails <laughs> yeah, on, on a daily basis. And a lot of them have really, you know, we've been very pleased with the amount of interest that this offering has had on our customers. When you look at the response rates uh, of getting an email, because we all know what that generally means, but this has sparked a significant amount of interest on the customer base. And so I think that is, you know, a positive component for us when we see, you know, the interest of our customers and the interest of folks in the program. So, you know, I will say that's one of the definite positives as we've looked at this. I probably have a lot of listeners right now that are going, Laura, shut up and tell us how to sign up at this point. <laughs> well, so get a GM vehicle, or if you're already a GM vehicle customer, you should have gotten an email from, you know, one of the, the marketing branches of General Motors, whether it's Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, or Cadillac. And, check for your email box. Uh, or if not, you know, we will, there will be a, you know, another go round of uh, some email follow-ups, you know, as, as we sent, because we, that's one of the things as we learn, you know, the market, you're right, the power to choose.org, but we didn't, you know, you also have to kind of hit the customer as they're looking at potentially transitioning their electric providers. And so there's kind of a component of generally a lot of them do sign up for 12 months plans. And a lot of them, you kind of look at data because there's a lot of data available generally in the August to September time period is kind of when they're cycling through. So there'll be some additional emails and things kind of coming out as we, you know, work with, you know, the data that's available. And as we, you know, work with Shell and, and MP2 to ensure that we get, you know, announcements out with our marketing teams and which have been great to work with. I'll tell you, the teams have been working really hard, you know, hard together and, and, putting this to make sure that this is a successful program. And I, I'm guessing that you have the same type of information on your website too. Yes. Yep. yep. So you can get a lot of information these days on the internet. <laughs> and some of it's true. Yes. true. <laughs> Very good point. You got to watch out for that. Well, Rob, is there something I haven't asked you that you're like, Laura, it's the most important thing. No, I think we've done a really good job of kind of covering, you know, the alignment of goals and objectives. You know, this is, you know, driving towards GM's, you know, sustainability goals that we've, you know, been very bold as a company to move towards. And, you know, you know, to move the needle, you got to go big and scale is what drives big and drives programs and results. And that's the exciting part of aligning with companies, you know, like Shell in this case, that we can really move the needle and leverage the strengths that companies can bring to ultimately enable our more sustainable future. And so, you know, that's the exciting part of this program. And as we, as we look to move beyond Texas and as we look at lessons learned here and take this forward uh, and continuing to work across the markets that we sell all of our vehicles in, which is all 50 states and across multiple countries because zero emissions, emissions don't have boundaries. So we got to find solutions that work everywhere. You know, this is kind of off topic, but I read an article that, I want to say only 6% of Americans have electric vehicles. Does that sound about right to you? I haven't really seen the percentages, you know, per se that are out there. But I mean, when you look at the amount of electric vehicles that are sold compared to the amount of vehicles that are on the market, that seems within a reasonable number um, that are out there. But I also think that's also why you see the amount of electric oh. vehicles that are going to come that are coming to the market and the range that they're coming in are, you know, are going to hit that area that most people, you know, are focusing on. A lot of people like SUVs, 
a lot of people like pickup trucks. We know those are the number one sellers in the country. And so you've got to start to make electric vehicles that fit into those, like the GMC Hummer, you know, EV and mm -hmm. SUV one that's coming out or the Cadillac Lyric, it's going to start to hit that target audience that love SUVs and trucks. Yeah. As we know in Texas, they do. So, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> you gotta, it's probably much easier to drive across a gravel road in a Hummer, you know, EV than it would be to drive in a Bolt just because nature of the types of roads you've got too. So it's catering towards the customer and that's what we're aiming to do as we move down that path, you know, and then enabling programs that we've done with Shell to, to be able to provide the customer additional value that they can get by buying a GM product, but ultimately then buying a, you know, electric vehicle product from GM. Yeah, I think when you guys had the the Hummer EV, that told the world that you know what, you can make any vehicle an EV vehicle. <laughs> yep, that was just such and, a huge huge step. Well, that's the beauty about the Altium platform is the modularity that we're you know building into of being able to provide you know a multitude of different vehicles you know off of a you know an EV platform, and so that's the exciting part about what you can do with EVs is, you know, build a platform that enables you to build a number of different types of products off of that. So that's the exciting things as we see our EV factories being built in Lordstown and now our Spring Hill, Tennessee facility as well. Well, Rob, I know you're not going to be taking any, any naps to catch up on sleep. <laughs> so what's, what's going to be the next steps for y'all? Well, the next step is really to study and understand, you know, how we can take this, you know, and roll out nationally and, you know, broaden the efforts to towards our efforts of zero emissions in support of our renewable goals. And, you know, that's another effort that, that we'll be doing as a company. We've got our RE100 goals. You know, we're just announced our Newport Solar, you know, power purchase agreement for some of our manufacturing sites late last year. And, you know, we're looking at other, you know, components to get making sure that our manufacturing sites are also meeting, you know, the the RE100 goal, but getting towards zero emissions, not just, and so the products that are being produced in are actually coming from, via, you know, assembly plants that are actually, you know, renewable electricity, you know, supplied by. Detroit Factory Zero facility where, you know, some of the launch vehicles, the Hummer and all that are going to be built here in Detroit are going to come from, you know, they have a green tariff by Detroit Edison. So that facility will be 100%, you know, supplied by a local utility. So it is, you know, it's finding those 50 state solutions. It's finding local solutions as well. I think that's the other component that we've been, you know, trying to incorporate as a company. It's, you know, it's finding solutions to work within the communities that we also build and sell our vehicles. Uh, and so that's been some of our key components too. And the show relationship, obviously they're big in Texas. We got our big Arlington plant in Texas as well. So there's components of finding that, you know, within the markets that we sell our products to. So how are you guys keeping yourselves accountable for reaching that goal of uh, zero emissions? So, you know, for our manufacturing, you know, we keep track of kind of our called scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions. I mean, in a lot of ways you can get, you know, generally what the carbon footprint of our vehicles are. We can get the carbon footprint of our electric vehicles because we know generally what the grid is doing. And then we know what our carbon footprint, our manufacturing sites. And so we do track, you know, all of those, you know, components in the ways that we understand what our carbon emissions as a whole, you know, generally are. And so there's pretty good data that's actually out there. And that's one of the things that we're pushing to is trying to understand what the carbon footprint of each location is, because it does change. I mean, Texas is definitely different than, you know, Michigan. And when you look at the, the types of generation resources that go into make, making the electricity that we produce and uh, that is generated actually. So, you know, it's looking at both of those, you know, I think, you know, we monitor all of that and we track all of that so that we understand what that, what those emissions really are. Well, cool. Well, Rob, is there anything else you'd like to add or touch upon? 
Oh, I think we touched base of that. We got the local component. I'm glad we were able to kind of recircle back on that because I think that's one of the important parts that companies can do as we think about the grid and as we think about operations and, and as we think about our customers is finding you know, local solutions that do work for that. I mean, our two Texas power purchase agreements that power our um, Arlington assembly plant are in Texas. So, I mean, you know, you could easily say you could do those anywhere, really, because carbon doesn't have any boundaries either. But in reality, it you know, the local emissions are an important component of trying to address that. And that's partially what we do. Our Ohio sites are powered by our, you know, wind farms in Ohio and the PJM, you know, retail transmission operator, the grid, you know, in that area. So our Michigan green tariffs are in Michigan generated. So, I mean, it's, um, it's finding those local resources. So I think we touched base on all of that. And that was another key part of our path, I think, as we go towards zero emissions. Thank you again to Rob Threlkeld. Make sure to subscribe to Driving in Heels to hear more manufacturer interviews every week. When we return, you may have heard the new Ford Maverick is priced under $20,000. But did you know that's actually cheaper than the original Model T? Ford Archives and Heritage brand manager Ted Ryan explains next on Driving in Heels. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack. And save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joe's, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses. Plus, updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Driving in Heels with Laura Reynolds. Each week, Laura talks with auto manufacturers to keep you in the know about the latest and greatest in the cars, trucks, and SUVs you love to drive. Here's more Driving in Heels with Laura Reynolds. I'm Laura Reynolds, and you're listening to Driving in Heels. When the Ford Model T first came out, it touted a standard windshield as one of the buying points. Well, the recently released Maverick, it does come with a windshield and much more for just under $20,000. Ford Archives and Heritage brand manager Ted Ryan tells just how good that starting price on the Maverick is when compared to the Model T. When you guys sent out the press release talking about the price of the Maverick versus the price of uh, a Ford T, 
that just blew my mind. I would have never have guessed that. So tell us the story behind that. Well, the the Maverick came out, and I love the Maverick. It's uh, uh, three or four years in the making. It's at Ford. Uh, we'll give you a little inside pool. It's what we call a white space vehicle. Uh, we didn't have a vehicle in that particular category as an as an entry level. Uh, but we we so we wanted an entry level vehicle, but we wanted it to be a truck. So the the Maverick has got all the great safety features. It's got it's a hybrid. They all come as a hybrid. So it's uh, which is usually more expensive, but in this case, not up to 500 miles on a tank of gas versus about 200 for the Model T. Uh, the eight inch screen, the uh, lane assist, uh, all, all the technology that you would expect from a brand new vehicle just priced so inexpensively. And as they were pricing out and coming up with the theme for the Maverick, they came back to my team and asked about the Model T. Well, the Model T was the first entry level vehicle in America. It was you know, the, a standard car. You wanted a Cadillac or a Lincoln Model K, you're looking at uh, uh, $4,000 for a vehicle. So the Model T came in priced at about $850. Uh, listen to some of these standard features. I'm, I'm reading from an ad. Uh, the Ford Model T standard features, windshield, uh, gas lamp, speedometer, oil lamp, a tail lamp, and a horn. And so the... <laughs> That's your standard features with a with a Model T that's that's eight hundred and fifty. But if you put that eight fifty in an inflation calculator, it comes out to about twenty five thousand. So we told the Maverick team, we said you're actually beating the Model T, which was you know that was the world's first uh, entry level vehicle, um, and you're doing better than they are. Uh, do you know what one of the other entry levels was? Was the Mustang? Oh. By design, Leah Coca priced it at $2,365 or $2,635. I always get those, those flip-flop. But that's about 20 grand in today's money with an inflation calculator. Oh, my so. goodness. Yeah, so with the starting MSRP on the Maverick being about 20000 I mean, that's just incredible. It is uh, 19995 uh, is the starting. And they did that intentionally to keep it under 20000 but also to pay homage to the original Maverick, which came in priced at $1,995 and, and the Mustang and the Model T. Uh, because if you think about it, the, that's the DNA of Ford Motor Company, quality vehicles at an inexpensive price. Now, if you want a Ford GT and you can get through the application process, we'd be happy to take your $500,000 for a car we made. Uh, you know, or, I just did that interview last week and I, I asked them about the MSRP and they're like, well, we usually don't talk about MSRP on supercars, you know, and then they said, well, about 513, 513 starting, yeah. starting. <laughs> and uh, although it's a beauty and it's based on the heritage uh, 101 chassis, which is to me, that's that's the mother of all the GTs. Uh, even though it sadly it wrecked at Le Mans during uh, practice week, it was never recovered. But it's still without that vehicle, you don't have the rest of them. Uh, but that that's the DNA of Ford Motor Company is to have inexpensive. And in this particular case, and I've got two sons, one nineteen, one twenty-two. They both just went back to college, but before they left, uh, one of them casually left the Maverick Build and Price site up on my computer, <laughs> and then came back a little bit later. Dad, look at this. This is affordable even for me. Oh, you're so subtle. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that's they're the target audience, and and uh, this, this car has so many features. It's designed to to work better in uh, better in city, so it's got the smaller footprint, easier to park, easier to parallel park. It still has the towing capacity. Uh, you know, it is a Ford pickup, and my God, if we know anything, we know how to make Mustangs and we know how to make a uh, pickup trucks. So you're getting the best of Ford's know-how, uh, but you're getting it at a, at a entry-level price. It's just astounding. So let's just compare uh, the Model T. You read the ad for that. Tell us what's standard on the Maverick. I think it's a little different. Standard with the Maverick is an 8-inch screen, uh, fully hybrid, which is a change for Ford. So you, every one of the vehicles will be hybrid. And I drove the hybrid Fusion for a couple of years. And I'll tell you what, the gas mileage you get is just insane. I'd fill up once every month and a half. Uh, and then, But it comes with the lane assist. Uh, it comes with the parking assist. It comes with, you know, all the different safety features, all the different features. A couple of the things that I love are they designed the vehicle with younger audience in mind. So it has a larger cup holder for the water bottles that everybody uses today. Uh, and it has a side pocket cargo pocket, uh, which will be great for laptops and iPads and, and for the things like that. Uh, it, uh, in the back seat, or the, some of the rear seats come up and it uh, has enough space for a small cooler if you're taking a cooler to work. Or I love the one comparison in the press release said a, small, a, a fully inflated volleyball. <laughs> well, <laughs> I imagine the demographic putting a fully inflated volleyball in their truck is, is kind of small, uh, but then the second one was a lunchbox and then it made it makes more sense. So like I said, it's, it's got all the know-how that Ford puts into every truck that we make. Um, and but and it comes with standard features like that. It's 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 an amazing entry level vehicle. And I'm I'm just assuming you carried over the standard windshield from the Model T. <laughs> yes, <laughs> windshields will come standard uh, with the Model T. Although I will say in the Model T's defense, what Henry Ford did because Model T is 1908, that ad I read you was actually 1910 with the with the windshield. But by 1913, when he developed the assembly line. You know, we began making tens of thousands of them. A thousand a day was the output at Highland Park. And he drove the price down from 850 down to 250. So when the assembly line came and, you know, that, but that's a total Henry Ford thing to do like we're doing again with the Maverick is as he took the price down, he passed on those savings to the end consumer rather than just making more profit. Because uh, he could have produced the Model Ts at, at that same inexpensive rate and just pocketed the difference. So uh, every penny in savings he got, he he passed them back on to the end consumer. That's amazing because you're right. Most people wouldn't have done that, you know, to, to pass on the savings like that, you know, when they're just churning them out. It, it's, it's what Hen you know, Henry Ford was an interesting character for good and for bad, but he believed in uh, opening the roads of America and making the most inexpensive vehicle he could uh, to sell more of them to get more people in cars. There's a famous Edsel Ford quote that said, my father built the most popular car in the world. I wanna build the best car in the world. He said that as, as he took over as president from Lincoln Motor Company in 1922. So, you know, they had the different uh, philosophies, but Henry Ford wanted to put the world on, on wheels and, and I think he did it. You know, at some point in time, I believe it's around 1918 or so, nearly half the cars sold in America are Model Ts. And so you talk about dominating a market. Well, he did because of the price and the quality that you were getting with the T. That's insane. Well, what are, what's some of the feedback you, you've been getting about the Maverick? 
Uh, I personally have not gotten to drive one yet, but I have seen one. Uh, they look amazing. And the feedback that I'm getting from the Maverick team uh, is that it has all the capabilities of a Ford pickup truck. It's just slightly smaller. Uh, and that the, 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 even with the hybrid, you still get the energy and the towing capacity that you're going to need uh, for most jobs. Uh, because, you know, essentially a pickup truck is, a, is an extension of your life and your work. So if you are a boater, you're going to be hauling your truck. If you're a contractor, uh, can you imagine a, a young contractor, the difference that the hybrid is going to make with the gas mileage and still getting to fit all the tools in the vehicle and the cost savings over time, uh, you know, and, and that's some of the, the thing that the Maverick team have been talking to me about as, you know, they, they came into the archives ages ago, just like the Bronco team did, but more to learn about how Ford has always approached entry-level vehicles. And, and one of them was telling me, think of all the money we're going to save contractors out there. They're just getting their start. So mm -hmm. they can afford a vehicle that's going to help them on their job site, and they're going to save on gas money, and they're going to be able to put their notebook in, you know, in the special compartments. And you know, it, it's a vehicle designed for 2022 for the coming-of-age generation. Well, I think you've got a great endorsement in the fact that your son wants one. <laughs> both sons, and they never agree on anything. <laughs> the sky's blue, no, it's black, but they both want a Maverick, so. Uh, <laughs> you may end up with two of those parked in your driveway. <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, one's graduating college, so hopefully not in my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Time for them to get out, huh? Although he is a Latin major, so I, I do have a big basement, but <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> we'll yeah. see. I'm not sure what you do with a, a Latin uh, bachelor. <laughs> uh, you, you teach. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. hopefully there will be a demand for Latin majors at the end of the school year. So we'll see one way or the other. That is so fun. Well, I know you have all these interviews uh, stacked back to back. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Ted? No, just I'm, I'm excited by this vehicle because I think it, it's it's in the DNA of Ford to produce a vehicle like the Maverick that harkens back to the original Maverick, that harkens back to the Mustang, that harkens back to the Falcon, uh, which was another entry level, but quality vehicle that goes all the way back to our, our DNA of the Model T. This is one a continuation, but think of all the features that we're able to offer now for that same price. And it's just mind boggling what we what we produce with this vehicle. It's fantastic. Yeah. Now, is it going to make the bracket next year when you get? <laughs> I think somebody is. Uh, you know, the, you're the second one that's asked me about the bracket today, and I and I we'll, we'll sneak the Maverick in there. But what are we going to take out if we put the Maverick in? So, uh, it's a good we, problem to have. It is. It is the one thing I'm going to do this on the bracket this year is I'm going to seed the 1932 flathead V8 higher. <laughs> I'm not going to let it get taken out in the first round like it did. <laughs> I love that how you're manipulating the bracket. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, thank you again to Ted Ryan for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to Driving in Heels to hear more manufacturer interviews. Every week, I talk directly to the manufacturers to get you the latest information about the vehicles you're interested in. No opinions, just straight facts from the automakers themselves. I'm your host, Laura Reynolds, and that wraps up this week's Driving in Heels. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Driving in Heels. There'll be more next week when Laura Reynolds talks directly to the manufacturers about the cars you love and the cars you want to know more about on Driving in Heels. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.